guys, I appreciate you tuning in for another edition of the Pure Tennis Podcast. I'm stoked to be down here at the Miami Open. Uh, it's Saturday. I'm recording this at 5.45 p.m., so you guys may not be hearing this till Sunday. But I've really enjoyed my time down here. Met a lot of great people, watched a lot of awesome tennis. Uh, I actually went to a PTR convention, which is the Professional Tennis Registry. Met Casper Roots coach, who was uh, running this convention or this uh, classroom work, which was just cool to see how, at the top level, how they kind of take in information with all the new analytics and stats that are available to them and kind of digest them for the players at a simpler, more um, easier kind of way to understand and not kind of over uh, filtrate the system with just too much information and too much too many numbers so they're able to keep it simple and so it makes enough sense for these players that they understand that the stats matter and that the, the patterns that that are working with the with the, you know the percentages that those things are some things that they need to double down on and stuff and just as like one of the interesting stats I took away uh, from a couple of the guys one of the one guy I'm drawing a blank on his name but he coached Kim Kleisters he's now working with uh, an academy in Spain but he, he looked at the stats for Pagula Pagula, Pagula, Jessica Pagula, one of the top American women, uh, actually the top American women, is she's returning serve and winning more points against serves over 90 mile, miles an hour versus less than 90 miles an hour. So that's just a cool stat for for women and men that are trying to beat the first serve and just go, go all flat. Some players actually are better with timing and just anticipating that flat serve than they are if you hit were to hit a kick serve or a slice serve with better placement. So that was a really cool stat. Um, also, Casper Rude. Uh, when he steps inside the baseline to hit a forehand at any point in the rally, they, I believe it was 75% of those time the points that, that he hits a forehand inside the, the baseline, he wins that point. So that's a stat that Casper has really been focused on. They kind of talked about how the first return, he's well beyond the baseline. The second shot in the rally, where so after, after the return, the ball comes back to him, he's trying to be almost near the baseline, and then he's looking for his chance to step inside and take a cut uh, and, and move forward when he gets a chance. So really it was cool to hear one of those top – one of the top players, coaches, kind of just how they dissect and uh, go into practice. And it's about keeping things simple. You don't want to give your player, if you're, if you're a coach out there listening to this, you don't want to, like they just talked about how you don't want to give your player too much information, too many stats, too many things to work on. It, it, it flusters the player, and they can't focus on kind of locking in on the one thing that you're trying to um, master for that day. So um, if you're out there, they're just saying, like, you know, work on one thing, do that for five to ten minutes, make sure that's dialed in, and then you can move on. Uh, but, guys, action today. I know this is what you guys wanted. To, if you're tuning in, you want to know what's going on in the Miami Open. I just want to start from the top. Uh, we're also going to have a couple interviews I did with Tommy Paul and Andre Rublev drop in here, a couple of awesome sound bites. Tommy was super interesting, just the stuff that he talked about. We talked about the Ben Shelton pairing uh, and doubles, uh, the, switch, the switching the rackets from the blade to the V-core, and just his thoughts on Tiafo's comments with the crowd movement and noise. We will put that in at the end of this podcast. I want to start at the top of this draw. Uh, and kind of walk through the matches that I've seen so far and just the, the storylines I think that are, are exciting about this tournament so far. So Carlos Alcaraz, the one seed, looked super, uh, super good in the first round. I mean, I, Bagnus uh, was trying everything he could, threw the kitchen sink at him, and when he won his first game, uh, late in the first set, he chucked his racket to like 30 feet in the air just in a celebration, and the crowd erupted like he had just won a set. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz, though, a physical specimen, a superstar. His practices down here have been unbelievable. I mean, the, the crowds have – there's been more people watching his practices than have watched a lot of the matches that I saw in the first couple of rounds. He is just a superstar that that is replacing one of the big three. I mean, uh, I, I've been I've been to tournaments my whole life where I've seen – especially at Western and Southern where I've seen the Ralph and Roger and Novak crowds, and it is – He's, you can compare what he's drawing to these events at the, at the Masters level to what those guys did. And he's only 19 years old, 
what he's done with his body. I mean, he just talked about at the Australian Open when he was um, forced to pull out. He's even changed and altered his off-the-court habits and um, routines since then. And he looks like he's taken another step. I don't know how it's possible, but he's taken another leap forward in his physicality and the way he's treated his body. And I think that's just going to continue to pay dividends as he's a guy that's uh, going to be going deep in a lot of these tournaments. Um, But Carlos looked very clean. He's going to face Dusan Lajevic. A guy that's had a great week so far uh, in Miami, taking out Andy Murray and Maxime Cressy, both in straight sets. He is in form, a guy you just super solid off both wings. you got to hit through a guy like this guy because he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He locks in for every point, and he doesn't give you anything for free. So I do expect Carlos to get through that one in his straights, but just cool to see Dusan Lajovic, a guy that uh, we've tennis point has helped uh, with his gear and equipment in the past, do well at an event like this. Next up, you have an electric matchup, guys. Alexander Davidovich Fokina against Tommy Paul, two phenomenal athletes, two of the best movers and athletes on the tour. Uh, a matchup that we just saw go five sets at the Australian Open. They are back at it, the 16 versus 20 seed. I can assure you that that's going to be one you want to tune into. Uh, Fokina's in form, took out Nakashima in straight sets, and then Tommy Paul took uh, took out Huesler in a third a, a three setter, which was really really fun match. Uh, you guys, if you guys check out the vlog I'll be putting up, I was at that match and uh, that was just an electric atmosphere as well. But Paul, Fokina, I think uh, my prediction is going to be. Just as Australia was, I think Paul's going to take it in the in the third. Fritz, after the, is is beneath that, looking clean. He, he hit right through the young uh, Canadian, uh, the young California kid Emilio Nava, twenty one year old, uh, who's looking to break through still. Fritz just too much firepower, applied too much pressure. Emilio Nava is is going to have his day, but not 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 to be here. Just tried to do too much, hit hit too big, and Fritz was. Uh, was cognizant of that in his press uh, his presser after the match. Fritz will pay. Fritz will play. Denis Shapovalov. Shapovalov pulled out a, a big three set match against Pela. Uh, Shapovalov continues to kind of fight for his form. I mean, he's ranked. He's a 24 seed at this tournament. Uh, I think he the ranking to me is. I think I think it it's higher than what he's, his level has been over the last 52 weeks. He did have a successful last bit of the calendar year last year. Uh, he struggled a little bit at the beginning of this year, but I think he we could be seeing him rounded to form a little bit here. And this is a, a huge matchup. He just played Fritz uh, not long ago where he lost, but this is a matchup that he's, he's won in the past. I think he's got three wins over Fritz in their in their career matchup. I think Shabavalov on these faster courts, if he's finding that forehand in his, with his movement, he could test Fritz here. I mean, Fritz is just playing so well. I don't want to bet against the, the best American just with, you know, home crowd and uh, just what he just did in Indian Wells. Was, uh, obviously, he's, he's been in form. And, but that's going to be an electric match. Get your popcorn ready for that one. Schwartzman, beneath that, takes out Yibing Wu. I'm, I did not see that I did not see that coming, uh, if we're being honest. I thought Wu would take him out. Schwartzman with his biggest win in a long time. Uh, if he didn't win that one, I don't know if he would have been seated in a tournament the rest of the year. It just seemed like he was in a downward spiral. Gets himself loose. He's into the next round. He's going to play against the young Danish superstar Holger Rune, the seventh seed in this tournament, who is just continues to impress. I mean, Holger Rune takes out Fucevic in a a tricky, a tricky first matchup that he had in, in the second round here after having a bye. Just Fucevic is, uh, he's, you know, he's got the firepower, got the weapons, he's moving well, and just coming off a solid Indian Wells where he took out JJ Wolf and uh, seemed seemed to be playing good tennis. I mean, Holger had had it up against him a little bit there, but fights through. Schwartzman and Rune should be a fun one. I do expect Holger to win that one in straight sets. 
Next up, Casper and Botic Vendesenschel. That's a that's a last name I'm gonna. It's gonna be tough on me to pronounce that one the rest of his career, I'm sure. But Botic uh, versus Casper. I'll take Casper in this one just because I think Casper is. He realizes that he's got a lot of points to defend here coming up, and he, he needs this to keep his top, really top ten ranking. So. Botic playing well. He could cause some problems with his ability to, to kind of step in and rip the, rip the forehand early, but Casper moving very well. Looked really clean in that first-round matchup against Ilya Ivachka. Next storyline is, I mean, Sasha Zverev lost to Taro Daniel. Taro Daniel bagels him in the first set, 6-0, and then 6-4 in the second set. Um, did not see that coming. I thought Sasha Zverev was going to start to turn a corner after coming back from his ankle injury. Not the case. He's got to look for it to happen on the clay court season where he actually hurt his ankle last year at the at Roland Garros against Rafa. Taro Daniel continues to play great tennis. He's taken out now Bertini, Sasha, and Casper in the last month or so, I believe, playing his best tennis of his career. Really cool to see uh, a guy that's I've watched on the challenger circuit and kind of make his way, and he's finally seems to be making his breakthrough. So big win for him. He plays against he plays Emilio Ruzavori. Ruzavori t- took out. Roberto Batista Gut in straight sets. Ruzavori is uh, Gil Gross on the last podcast said that he is the dark horse for him. He thinks Ruzavori can make a deep run. And with Zverev out of this field now, that just got a lot more interesting. So that take looks like it's looking a lot better now. I, I didn't see him getting through Zverev, but not having to see now he doesn't have to see Zverev. And that's just uh, I, I like to the take there. Gil might have found something here. Beneath you got Sinner versus Dimitrov. Can't wait for that matchup. That's just going to be a I, I do expect Sinner to win that one, but the points from that one is both of them are shot makers. Both of them are going to be uh, put on a show for the crowd, and I think Sinner and Grigor is a matchup of one of the best matchups of that of, of tomorrow. Uh, that, sorry, that'll be on Monday. Um, or sorry, Sunday. Sorry, Sunday. So electric matchup. Sinner, the young the youngster from Italy, has been uh, looking for a, to kind of regain his form, and he's going to be he's going to be in the top ten again after falling out briefly. Grigor with a big win in, in the, his first or his second round against Struff. Um, didn't know if he was going to pull through that one. Fought through seven six six or four six seven six six four. And then Kachmanovich Rublev is beneath that. That's, there's just so many good. Ma- this tournament is loaded. I mean, these big draws. Can't wait till Cincinnati uh, Western and Southern turns the, the, uh, their draw into, into one of these Masters from Miami Open and Indian Wells, where it's a draw of 128. Uh, just creates basically two weeks of unbelievable action so uh where you got top players i mean it's just low you got kachmanovic rublev and rublev had to go through jj wolf before this so it's like no no easy first round matchup or even uh, rublev came off a bye but no, nothing easy for rublev walks from jj wolf to kachmanovic who had a huge win against ugo on bear in three sets which was an awesome matchup great crowd presence those two had a great embrace at the end of that match just tell they have a lot of mutual respect for each other. Uh, I had a ton of fun watching that one courtside. Herkach and Kakanakis are in action now. I, I believe Herkach was up. Um, Kakanakis, the lucky loser, uh, benefit of a dropout late. I, I forget who that dropout was, but uh, Kakanakis is battling. He is ah on serve four to four right now. So Kakanakis playing great tennis, uh, looking to, looking to kind of build on what he did in Australia. Um, but Herkach, I do expect him to. Uh, pull through this one. This is a title that he has taken home before two years ago. Herkoc, I expect him to play Ben Shelton, who has Adrian Manorino tonight, later at 8.45 tonight. I think Shelton versus Herkoc would be electric. Two Yonix guys, the V-Core versus the E-Zone. No, that would be a big match for our friends at Yonix. Um, Shelton's athleticism, 
his firepower. Watching him play doubles with Tommy Paul was so much fun. He's, I mean, I love that the top players are playing doubles. I think it helps them so much. Is is moving for, especially on hard courts, moving forward and knocking off that volley to, I mean, make your to just put more pressure and uh, really just close off points. Because I mean, we've seen some of these top players like Medvedev and Rublev, um, and even Kasparu to an extent. They they have the big weapon. They have the forehand. They have the firepower, but they don't look comfortable in the front court knocking the ball off. So it's like these guys that are great movers. There's so many good athletes and good movers on the on the tour right now that they're able to neutralize the point so much easier when the when the ball can go, go back to the baseline with a with a little bit of a floater. And if you're able to come volley and knock some knock some of these shots off, you're able to just apply way more pressure and make that that defensive shot um, make them take take a little bit more of a risk. So I love that Shelton is playing doubles. I think that's really going to help his singles game a lot. Uh, it's crazy that he's already a, a, a top 32 seed this early in his career. But he's just an exciting player to watch. He draws a fan. He draws a ton of fans out here. Obviously, being a Florida kid, playing in Miami is uh, playing in his backyard. So he's got a ton of fan fan support here. Shelton just plays with so much passion, passion, so much joy. Uh, I think you could say the same thing for Hercotch as well. Loves to have fun with his tennis. Loves to mix in the, the goofy drop shots and uh, really keep you guessing with his, his shot selection. That should be an electric matchup if we get it. Adrian Manorino, though, playing extremely good tennis, took out Jerry Shang uh, after dropping the first set pretty easily after that. Adrian Manorino on these fast hard courts, just a tricky customer for anybody. The the lefty has sneaky good power. He just... You, you gotta you gotta hit through the guy, and it's not not easily done by by guys that are outside the top 30. I mean, he's just a pesky guy that's been hanging around the top 50 for a lot of years. Uh, I, I have to say, I've never really enjoyed or loved watching him play, but uh, as I've gotten older and he's gotten older, obviously, I'm like, all right, this is it's pretty amazing what this guy can do. 19 pounds of tension in his Babla Purero, just got just flicks the wrist, just hardly any backswing at all. It's Impressive what he can generate, though. And I mean, I'm at 60 pounds. He's at 19 pounds of tension. I mean, that that to me is like I can barely wrap my head around it. Um, I would love to grab his racket and just hit a few forehands with it and see where, how far in the stands my forehand lands. Because there's just no way I could get that ball to drop. I would. Um, I'm, I might have one of the, our stringers at tennis point string me up at 19 19 pounds and make a video to show you guys what happens if I take the same swing at 19 versus 60. Uh, just as a little test. That, that might be something pretty fun. Shout out to Chris Eubanks, the American, is one win away from cracking the top 100 for the first time in his career after taking out Borna Korch, the 17th seed, in three sets earlier earlier today. Uh, sorry, I gotta. Uh, I'm getting. I, need, I think I need a water, but uh, <laughs> um, takes out Borna Korch in three sets. He faces the winner of Cam Nori and B- the Frenchman Barre. I think that'll be Cam Nori. Um, got Hallis upsets Demonar. 6-7-7-6-7-6 a huge win for Quentin Hallis a guy that if you guys remember earlier this year uh, in Australia Novak Djokovic beat him and that was in three sets I, it could have I think it was Adelaide not 100% sure but I remember that Novak Djokovic said that this guy's his level was at like a top 15 level and I always memory bank that because I mean Nova, you don't hear Novak gas up players uh, just kind of just to kind of do it but when he said that I was like there's some real merit to this and it seems to be holding up Hallis has had some sneaky good results even in some of his losses he's pushing guys deep and pulls through big match against Demonar who's been playing amazing he'll play Mackenzie McDonald who took out Matteo Bertini in that epic three setter or two setter seven six seven six on Stadium One. 
just left that match not too long ago. Epic crowd turnout. Obviously, all the girls from the 12 year, like 14 year olds, or whatever, to like the 70 year olds. Everybody's cheering for Bertini. He's a uh, one of one of the, one of the favorites for the girls. It's just like it's funny how some of these players have that type of appeal where uh, he they 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 obviously draw the. Uh, you look around the crowd, you're like, there's not a whole lot of dudes out here, but it's uh, Bertini ultimately just not able to do enough. I, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about what he's what's going on with with the Berrettini camp right now. I don't know. Berrettini just looks a lot more unsure of himself these days. He doesn't um, seem confident in kind of his patterns that he was working for him when he was a top ten player and pushing for like he was a Wimbledon finalist. But he needs to get get his uh, game back together because he'll slip out of the top twenty. Um, and I, you just it's it's going to get tougher from there. I mean, when you're not a top 20 top 15 seed you're going to see these top players quicker in these in these big events and it's just an upward battle from there but Mackenzie McDonald that's the story the American has a massive win he is so damn steady he's moving around he's moving around the court so well he's he just makes you hit one extra ball and he's able to neutralize so many points with his little like block bunt shots from from the backhand he's able to flick the forehand with just that uh, little backswing when he's on the dead run and he's just his, his passing shots are so clean. He's coming forward very well now, knocking off some volleys. He's mixing in some some drop shots, keeping his opponents guessing. I mean, uh, when he after he took out Rafa at the Australian Open, he seems to have kind of mentally turned a turned a page there and seems to believe in his game more than ever. Uh, continuing on with the draw, Alex Mochan took out Nishioka earlier today in three sets. Mochan is continuing to continuing to climb. He will play the winner of Medvedev and uh, Carbelius Bayana. And then, I mean, I think that's Medvedev's match, match right there. So you got Medi versus Machan. Felix comes through against Thiago Montero, 7-6-7-6. Unreal match on grandstand. Both of them had great fan support. A ton of Brazilians out there with the, I mean, they have like organized, the, the South Americans have organized chants for their guys. And I'm always like, Americans got to do better. I mean, they they have so many cool cheers. I mean, I remember being in, at the U.S. Open um, watching t- the t- Tabilo, Tabilo versus Wolf, and it was just like, man, like they, they're organized out here. And it feels like there's a whole army of uh, fans around the whole court, the way they have, like, st- they're synchronized. Felix, he had, I guess some of the Canadians there were, like, offended. They started to raise their level and raise their voice uh, in between points as they saw how much support Tiago was getting. But Felix ultimately pulls through. A really nice win there, seven six seven six. He plays Francisco Sorrendolo. Uh That should be a fun matchup. Two really good athletes, two big ball strikers. That'll be a big one. That'll be that'll take place on Monday. Uh, the rest of the action today on Saturday in place is Evans and Snago. They're on court right now. Uh, Watanuki and Tiafo, Hachinov and Echeverry, and then Lehechka walk through Musetti four and four today. Uh, as well, oh, almost forgot the last couple matches here. Sitsipas got a withdrawal from Gasquet earlier, so there was no, uh, he was supposed to be on center court. That was canceled with Gasquet pulling out with an ankle injury. Uh, he will face Garin, who took out um, Marcos Guiron and then Sebastian Baez in two really nice matches. Garin is starting to find his form again. He, he, he had kind of dropped off for a while and it didn't look like he was himself. He seems to have found that that he tapped into his his, uh, his gear where we, we saw him play well in like 2020, 2021. He's coming back. He's going to have Sitsipas, who is not 100% with a bum shoulder. 
I think that's a that's a sneaky upset pick there. I think Garin could take out Sitsipas. Sitsipas, watch him on the practice courts. Too many slice. Looks like he's not comfortable coming over top, over top of the ball right now. Um, I talked to Gil Gross about this. I'm like, why, why do you think, what's the benefit of Sitsipas playing? Like, why would his camp advise him to play, or why would he be out here still? And he thinks it is to stay fit uh, for the clay court season, where he thinks he can kind of just take it easy and slice the backhand and work himself into points and find the forehand. And he just wants to kind of keep the legs uh, in, in, in good physical condition for, for the clay court season because he has a ton of points to defend there. Obviously, the Monte Carlo title where he took out Fulkina, took out Fulkina there. He has to defend those points. And um, But I do think that's an interesting decision because he's not 100% healthy. It's usually better when, you hit, when you're a top 10 player, you know, just kind of bite the bullet there and sit out for a couple weeks or whatever it is, get healthy so you can get back to your top form. But Tsitsipas is... Uh, Always kind of been one to kind of stick to his guns and do what he, he thinks is the right way to do it. So he's going to try to battle it out. He got taken out early, first round of the Indian Wells tournament. I think you could see him uh, after not playing against Gasquet today. We could see him drop to Christian Guerin. That's my um, kind of hot take of the day, I guess. But guys, enjoy these two interviews with Tommy Paul and Andre Rublev. Have a great weekend, and we are going to be back with you guys again soon. Really good match out there. In the first set, you were down, and I felt like the turning point was when you started finding the backhand down the line, uh, and you hit like three or four winners in a row with the backhand. Was that something that you figured that you could kind of expose uh, a little bit? I mean, was a bit, was a bit uh, tough match, and uh, because I didn't have much time to adapt, I had only two days of practice, so I didn't know what to expect, how I will feel uh, on court. And JJ, he was playing really well since the beginning, and uh, and yeah, but. And he started to win and the lead, and uh, and but then I was able to keep calm inside, and just to try. Okay, let's see. I will try to to keep going, to play, to think what to do, and I start to play better and better. And like you said, uh, I start to use more down the line because he was using a lot forehand inside out, and he was just nearly being waiting there before shot already completely on the backhand side. So he opened all the down the line, and I was just you trying to use it and uh, yeah to go for it and in the end I was able to do it and I was able to come back and win the match. Andre, your first serve was on fire today. Can you uh, second set, huh? <laughs> can you, even though the score was close, can yeah. you comment on your serve in these conditions? Uh, I don't know because in the beginning of the match I was not serving really well. I was not really making first serves and then with the time, like I said, when I started to get used to more and more, I started to serve better and play better and in the end, yeah. I end up uh, with some good rallies and some great serves as well that uh, save me break points and stuff like that. These courts are playing faster than any of the players have said so far. What's the area of focus for you in 2023 to improve your game? Uh, to be honest, I mean, in a game-wise, there's a lot of things that I have to improve, but I don't think that I have that much problem with the game compared to other players. The game-wise, I think I, I'm a, on a good on a good level. In my case, it's more about emotions, to be in the right mood, uh, in the right moments, and that's the main thing that I need to improve if I want to be able to be at the top ten and be able to fight with the top players. Andre, uh, the other day, Tiafo was making comments about he feels that in tennis they should. Fans should be allowed to move around and make a noise and things like that. What, what do you think about about that? When you have to consider hearing the ball connecting with a ra uh, opponent's racket. 
you talk about spectators or the player? No, it's a bit of both. I mean, he feels that the spectators yeah. should be able to make yeah. a noise, should be able to yeah. move around. Yeah. But as a player, do you think that's going to be distracting? Because you've got to hear yeah. the ball with the connecting. Uh, it's a tough question because depends on a stadium, I think. Because there is some stadiums that people are doing some noises, and they are not. You don't really hear them. You don't really hear them that loud on a court. And there is some stadiums that any little noise on a court you hear it very clear and then it's kind of can distribute because if something suddenly like like today for example they drop the water and uh, the sound was crazy massive and you kind of react you know because and it can disrupt so it's more about I think to question to the stadiums to be able to build this kind of stadiums that the noise on a court was not that loud and maybe in this case it will be easier because for example the US Open the, the court is quite loud but there you kind of in in one moment you don't even really notice them you know so you wouldn't you don't think it would bother you too much depends like I said if it's court like US Open because they are quite noisy there on the center court but there it feels I don't know normal you don't even pay attention but like I said the court that I was playing today for example there are one bottle drop and you hear it a lot and it's disturbing you a lot so Tommy I asked Taylor about changing and kind of tinkering equipment at this stage of his career and he said he's not like Tommy and he can't just change rackets like over overnight so talk about kind of your decision to kind of change sticks completely and, and, and change the v-core and why you made the change and what you're getting out of that racket um, so like three years ago or four years ago before I signed with Wilson I uh, I tried out the Onyx rackets and I liked them, but we couldn't get them to where it was like just right, you know. Um, and then at the end of the year, I, I was kind of excited to try out the Wilson, I mean the, the Onyx rackets, and it was actually weird. I was using one string the whole preseason, and then right before I got to Australia, I was like, all right, like I'm gonna go back to my old string and switch it. And I got down there and I was playing really well. I actually went down there with. What was it? What's the three Wilson rackets and three Yonix rackets. And I was like, all right, like the first week doesn't go well in Australia. Like I'm going back to the Wilson. Um, <laughs> I actually didn't even play that good the first week, but I felt comfortable with the racket. And then I went to Australia and I, I left my I left my Wilson rackets in Adelaide. So I was fully committed. You, you had a decent success with the V-Core down in Australia. So it might have been a good decision there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tommy, just I've been asking a couple of the guys just this moment for men's tennis where you know you look at the draw here and obviously there's no Rafa, Federer's retired, obviously Novak couldn't be here. Everyone in like mid twenties or younger, basically, just kind of how exciting is this moment in men's tennis right now? I think that depends on who you ask. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of people are missing like, mm -hmm. Novak, Rafa, and Roger. Um, but for me, I love it. I think all the players are super excited. I think. If you're like, I don't know, if you, you're a true fan of like the evolution of tennis, like you, you would love where we're at right now. I think there's such good and promising young people coming into the game that are going to be at the top of the game for a long time. and They're fun to watch and fun to play against. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here and I think it's in great hands. Anything else, guys?
Speaking of the up-and-comers, you played with one last night in Ben Shelton, a guy you faced in the quarters of Australian Open. How did that pairing come about, and how much fun did you guys have? It seemed like you guys had some good chemistry out there. Yeah, good question. It was actually <laughs> right after our quarterfinal match in Australia. No way. He was on the bike, and, and we were like talking about like when we were going to play dubs or whatever. Uh, I think he asked for Indian Wells, and then I was set with Fritz. And I was like, let's do, let's do Miami. He was actually set with Foe to play here, but then uh, switched it up last second because I think Foe bailed on him at some point. So he was like, I gotta get him back. Um, but yeah, it actually happened down in Australia. Um, I've loved Ben since since I met him. I think he's a great great kid. Uh, obviously, a super promising player. Already a great player. So he's gonna be a super exciting guy to follow his whole career. Did you have one more? Oh yeah. Uh, Francis was actually talking earlier in the week about maybe changing the rules to let there be more movement between points and music playing, and you seemed a little frustrated with some of the rules on court today with not being able to get coached during the heat or interruption. No, like, I wasn't even coaching. Like, there was not even coaching. I was just telling my team, I was like, talking about the dude up in the stands. We were not talking about any coaching stuff. And he was like, you can't have conversation with your coach. And I was like, I thought we just changed that rule. I. I <laughs> I'm like just super confused on like what we can and can't do on court. I think what Francis said is great. Like open the whole thing up, let people walk around, let young people drink beers while we play tennis, you know? Like <laughs> let me have a conversation with someone in the crowd. I mean, I know like for me, it's not always the best, but like Bo, <laughs> Bo can do it all, his whole match and still play great tennis. So like, I think that'd be something really interesting to watch. Thank you guys. They got to do like that golf tournament where they like let all the people throw the beer. Yeah, waste management. What string are you using in the, in the decoy? Yeah. I'm using gut right now. From what, Alu? Uh, or uh, Lexon? Gut from... From Yonix? No, they don't have gut. It's like oh, that lot, I think. Gotcha. Good luck, Tommy.